The Wrestling Life. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 277. It's All Out Weekend 2021. I'm Ethan. I'm Liam. Liam, we have so much to talk about this week. And as always, so many, many things, but especially this week, so many things that we cannot talk about. Yep, that's right. So All Out is coming up this weekend. There are two New Japan pay-per-views this weekend. WWE continues to be WWE and do WWE things. So we have plenty to talk about. Unfortunately, we have to talk about uh, Daphne passing away. Just terrible. I mean, what can you say about someone struggling with mental health issues that apparently ends their own life? Like, I mean, yeah. it's it's notable because she was a notable personality and got over in a time in WCW when nobody got over and managed to build, you know, a decade long career in wrestling. Um, I don't really have I wasn't watching WCW when she was around. I wasn't watching TNA much when she was around, so I don't really have any personal um, stories or memories of Daphne, but uh, I think you pointed out one of those people in the wrestling business that no one has ever said a bad word about. Absolutely. I think that was evident today. Um, I know. Yeah, not not a ton we can we can add as far as, you know, how do you you can't really analyze something like this, or at least you shouldn't. Um, but yeah, it's, if you look at uh, Selena Vega's Twitter, uh, Bailey had post up, I think, on her Instagram. Uh, just everyone, I know Dakota Kai said something, uh, Shazza McKenzie, like everyone, especially it seemed like, uh, you know, women when they first got onto the indie scene, maybe, you know, for women who aren't from the US when they first came here, like that was just like the recurring theme I kept reading was how welcoming and kind Daphne was to them when they didn't really know a lot of people or when they were still, they were just starting out and how helpful she was. So yeah, it's, it's, it's truly deeply tragic. There's never a happy reason for someone to die at 46, but especially in this case, obviously given the circumstances, it's, it's truly terrible. And, you know, you, it's so, it's always so tragic when someone like that, who is so beloved and has given so much love and help and respect to, uh, others, uh, you know, does not, you know, does not see, cannot, uh, give themselves that same sort of love. And it's, uh, yeah, just truly terrible. And, you know, God, God bless her. God bless her family. On a much, much, much lighter note, NXT is changing. It's going to be a Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard production. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready for the change. I think it's going to be very funny. Uh, they already revealed their, <laughs> their new logo. And I think yeah. I like the logo. I think it's I, I kind of do, too. Like, I, I looked at that and I was like, this is so much better than all of the skulls and chains and borderline Nazi <laughs> paraphernalia that adorns most things involving Hunter Hurst-Helmsley's career. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think that's... Uh, that's that's great like i think if you're given the show a complete overhaul i i kind of thought that for you know i don't watch nxt week to week because you know why would i <laughs> why would i watch that show paul um <laughs> but but when i do watch it like a lot of what i see and what i see people reacting to in a positive way is like 
Johnny Gargano and Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis doing comedy. Yes. And it's like, if that's the motif you're going for, if you're going for like a, a modernized version of like 1995 WWF, it shouldn't have skulls and death metal and chains everywhere and, and be like shot in like a dark arena with black ring canvas and stuff, right? Like it should reflect what it's supposed to be, which is it what it, it should be bright. Yes. Right. It should be bright and colorful and wacky. And if the whole point is it's going to be a lot of veterans like Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Gargano working with uh, new people that are green to get them ready to go up and wrestle on the main roster, then <laughs> that's that's what we should. That's that's what I that's the direction I would go to. Like there's there doesn't need to not, none of what the accoutrements of the Triple H era, as far as from a visual standpoint, none of them are needed if that's not what this is anymore, you know? Yeah. And like the week to week booking of the NXT show has pretty much been universally panned since they got on the USA network two years ago now. Yeah. It, it's like the, the, the takeover just so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the era of, but the era of the logical, uh, simple week to week or uh, four tape, four shows at a time, you get it. You get a, um, you get continuity between all your episodes. That's that's kind of gone. The TV's been what it's been for a while, and who knows if we even need takeovers anymore. Yeah, I mean that's uh, yeah. I mean, it, again, not not to make light a lot of people losing their jobs, but as far as as we've talked about in the past, what NXT was supposed to be for the last uh, you know five or six years was we were supposed to crush any and all. U.S. wrestling companies that had a chance to be a viable number two, and yes. it failed at that at every turn. Yes. So if it's not that anymore, then let's make it something else. And and again, like I and whether the show, even if the show was really firing on all cylinders and it still had that old NXT magic, it, like the viewership is, you know, it's the oldest skewing wrestling show. <laughs> uh, in on on u.s television so like it's whatever they're doing for the last two years has not resulted in any higher television viewership or anything so there's really i think at this point if if it's not there to hurt aew and it's not there to be its own unique thing then yeah just make it just do whatever you have to do to turn it back into the you know, those early full sale NXTs, which is when it was still a, a feeder system for, for what they wanted on, on the main roster. And you're just teaching big guys who can't work where the hard camera is. We're going to get a bunch of guys like Ridge Holland and Omos. Yeah. Uh, wrestling uh, maybe as like wrestling plumbers and, and, <laughs> and wrestling clowns and a lot of bare, bare feet women. Uh, wrestling <laughs> in the ring. Well, well, it's a Bruce Pritchard uh, produced show, so probably a safe bet on the on the bare feet women. Sure, but yeah, uh, yeah, they have a uh, they have Duke Hudson who was on <laughs> Raw for like a week. Do you remember that? No, unless it was in that era where like Tahuti Miles and those guys were like coming in to do jobs. Because no, he and he and one of the guys from TM Six One, the one that's still employed. We're right. a tag team managed by MVP for like three weeks at the beginning of the pandemic. 
And uh, Duke Hudson had a different name at the time. Ah, maybe that's why. I think and, I would remember Duke Hudson. Yeah, that's a very classic uh, NXT <laughs> WWE name right there. I, I, I can't remember what his uh, what his former name was, but uh, yeah, that was that, well, that. I believe it was Lonnie Donegan. <laughs> yeah, so the, the former Lonnie Donegan, now Duke Hudson. Is uh, it's just it's just the tip of the iceberg as as, as we hire and promote more uh, green guys who can't work. But uh, you know that's sure. that's Kyle O'Reilly's job to teach him because obviously Albert's not getting it done. <laughs> They're not doing their calisthenics well enough. <laughs> so so Bruce Pritchard is on his way to the performance center this weekend. That's right. That's right. Bruce is going to teach him. You know, going to yell at him for not lifting weights. You can't lift that weight. <laughs> you're bad at wrestling. <laughs> It's it's very funny. It is at the least very going to be a very funny television show. For sure. And I also think if you're someone who was maybe not a fan of trip the way Triple H conducted himself as a professional wrestler in the <laughs> 2000s, there's a little bit of Schadenfreude to uh seeing everything he worked so hard for come crumbling down in a relatively short amount of time. Um and you just you remember through all the, the the pomp and circumstance of the Triple H character and his sort of shifting persona to, uh, you know, the Internet wrestling community's favorite uncle over the last few years. <laughs> at the end of the day, he's that guy getting yelled at by Bret Hart's wife in the hallway and not being able to look her in the eye. Like, that's who Triple H really is. And it's kind of nice to be like, yeah, no, he got he got all of these dudes fired. Johnny Ace and Bruce and all these guys were gone for various reasons. He put all his guys in road dog and Ryan Ward. He was ready to take control. And then he fumbled on the one yard line. And now all those guys are back and everything he's tried to build over the last few years is gone. And uh, yeah, man, uh, I guess maybe, I guess his plan all along for world domination was predicated on Vince dying like eight years ago. And when that didn't happen, he was kind of screwed. It's you either die here or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain or whatever that line <laughs> from the dark night is. But yeah, that is. something yeah. like that. Yeah. As it, as it, as it turns out, uh, I've completely lost my train of thought. So it doesn't matter what I was going to say. <laughs> something about Hunter. Um, getting yelled at by Julie Hart, Bruce, him getting like, his guys installed and then them getting all sent to NXT. Yeah. Well, first of all, we know that triple H now here's a guy. He's always been a guy <laughs> and he'll always be a guy. So we know, we know that about him for sure. 100%. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if the thought comes back to me. It can't have been that important. Uh, Friday night SmackDown last week. It was a show. It was a show. It was a show built around. I like I like the main event angle, even though it's building to Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar, which honestly I never need to see again. I do yeah. like the idea of is Paul a double agent? Does Roman really trust Paul? Like I, I like Roman Reigns as a character. I like Paul Heyman as a character, and Brock Lesnar as a character in theory. I like, and so those three in a program together could make for some interesting television yeah i mean there is that thing where we've seen the match and we know what that match will be although this time <laughs> might have a bit more talking um <laughs> squeezing and talking yeah yes 
but uh, yeah, I mean, we we kind of know what 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 the the blueprint for a, a Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar match is, and they had one really great match, and then a bunch of clones of that match that uh, diminishing returns. I think to, yes. say, to say the least. Yes. Um, yeah, like I I think that is that is as good an idea as I think you have if you assume that Roman Reigns isn't going to lose the belt anytime between now and WrestleMania. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is at least something to build a little intrigue, and maybe I feel like this character has been in, in second gear for for quite a while now, and there's enjoyable things about it. The presentation is good. He cuts fun promos. Paul, you know, Paul's there. The you know the Usos are. It's a good act, but it's kind of been in the same place for a really long time. Cena was obviously a big a big kind of shift as far as like the star level of his opponent, but. Um, yeah, at least this is something to build an intrigue where we, if Paul does leave and go with Brock, that would change the Roman Reigns act to a certain extent. And it would be interesting to see what they do with that between now and, and, and WrestleMania. So, yeah, I think that is probably the most interesting thing. As much as I, from an in-ring standpoint, I'm not excited about it. I'd probably much rather be interested in a Finn Balor and Roman Reigns match. Uh, but as a program, we kind of know where that's going to end. So uh, the Brock one at least has some intrigue built into at least some of the side characters in the feud. Sure. And the top women's program on SmackDown, Becky Lynch as a heel working against Bianca Belair, who won a number one contenders match on SmackDown. So Becky Lynch as a heel, apparently her idea. I don't understand it. Me either. I didn't think it was executed like having her come back and tell the fans that she missed them and that she's there. She, you thought she was deadly before now that she has so much more to fight for. How deadly do you think she's going to be now? It's like the greatest baby face promo you could possibly cut. Mm -hmm. It's like, she did one minor heel thing at the end where she walked out on Bianca Belair uh, rather than accepting her challenge, but it's so maybe it's going to be more of a slow burn kind of thing. But uh, I think that like, Daniel Bryan to a degree, like Mick Foley. She just connects with people on a level that she's never going to be a, a real heel. Yeah, I think that's problem. She's I, she's wildly entertaining and she feels like a big giant star. And my my whole thing is beyond I, I understand it. It was her idea. And in in some world, is she able to be an effective heel, a good heel at this point in her career? Probably she's really talented. Like she could probably make it work. People like Bianca enough that if they really push the envelope on it, I think you could get her booed to a degree. But my feeling, and we've talked about this before, is uh, I think when it came to uh, other other people like Daniel Bryan, even like Cody in AEW, where people have constantly asking about when that character's going <laughs> to turn heel, and it's like, bro, people love her. Yes. Why are you rushing? to throw that you don't have 10 other people it's um it's it's like turning steve austin in 2001 uh obviously not saying that becky means to business what steve austin meant to the business then but right. you turned your tippy top no doubt number one star and you had no one behind him or in this case her ready to take that spot bianca's over people like her but that's not, she's not ready for that spot yet. Sasha's a heel and who knows when she'll be back. 
Bailey, Bailey's off. Like, there's no one there that is as big of a babyface star that connects with people, like you said, that she does. So even if it's like, you know, this is a cool challenge for her and she wants to challenge herself and do something different, I understand that. Um, but I, at, even from the company standpoint to agree to this, I would be like, I, why are we looking to throw this away when we don't have the stuff in place uh, yes. to, to replace it? Yes. Um, and also, as a side note of the this is going to make Bianca a bigger star uh, argument, just want to say a few things. One, when Daniel Bryan lost in five seconds, he was not a baby face. <laughs> that was supposed to be Seamus's ultimate warrior moment. Yes. That was an accident. And he yes. was a heel. <laughs> yes. And it still took him, you know, a couple of years <laughs> to recover from that and get to the main event when CM Punk quit and people turned on the TV. <laughs> yes. Second, there is no era where WWE lets a top top star if they see you that way lose in five seconds like that that does not happen there's there's no one they would be ever serious about really getting behind to that level i always talk about on this show where they produce Mm -hmm. like keychains for you and stuff like yes they would never do that to roman reigns becky lynch john cena etc correct (laughs) So I just, I just, and it's not to say that, like I said, it's not to say that there's a scenario where Becky can be an effective heel or that Bianca can be a, a big star and a great baby face. I think all of those things are possible. Yes. But you're not putting your best foot forward. And I don't think this is the time. I don't think, and I don't think you're, you have not positioned Bianca to ascend to that level behind Becky if you're ready to turn Becky. So there's just... There's a lot of logistical stuff beyond just the whether beyond the creative and, and whatever else. Yes. There's also the why do they always insist on going against the grain? <laughs> yep. Why do they always insist on swimming upstream? Uh, it's, they make it so much harder on themselves than they have to. And from watching, you brought up Austin in 2001, and that's obviously the first thing that came to my mind also because we share two halves of the same brain. But <laughs> it was like watching uh, Becky on Austin's USA TV show last year. It's like she understands her character. She understands wrestling. I don't know why she didn't talk to Steve <laughs> about, mm-hmm. about turning heel. It's like he regrets that like it's one of like two things in his career that he regrets is that he wanted to turn heel he just thought he was feeling a little stale and he wanted a, a new challenge and he wanted to turn heel and now looking back he wishes he had never done it <laughs> yep. so yeah monday night raw was a television show that's about all i could say for it uh charlotte flair and nia Jax might have shot on each other in the ring <laughs> That was kind of intriguing. And obviously, really, the, the most interesting thing that's happened on Raw in maybe years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was what's well, funny because then there was like the counter uh, uh, narrative, either A, that it was all at work or B, that, oh, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that unsafe. <laughs> um, and I, I, I think the it wasn't that bad crowd maybe didn't watch 
the match. <laughs> the whole thing was pretty bad. Um, but that being said, yeah, if you watch it, it was pretty clear to me that they couldn't get on the same page. And Charlotte, who has a history of getting frustrated, especially when she thinks someone isn't being is being deliberately uncooperative with her. Yes. Um, got a, a little upset and pie faced not Naya and yes. Naya responded in kind. Yes. And then they were so lost and frustrated. They didn't know what to do. Yes. And so it was just really awkward and bad for a few minutes. And then they kind of got it back on track enough to do the finish. And that was that like it to me, it wasn't like a big scandal, but it was, it was, it was weird. I feel like the, the dialogue around this for the next, for the 24 hours that followed was maybe the weirdest part. Cause I was just like, Oh, well, that's, that's really interesting. Like <laughs> that, that they had such a public breakdown. Cause you don't really see that happen on WWE television very often where someone like hits the ropes and then just stops moving and they stare at each other. Like <laughs> you just yes. don't see that happen on WWE television very often. And with, professionals that have a combined like 15 years of experience yes (laughs) like and obviously Nia Jax pretty much dropped Charlotte on her head in that match and she has a history of injuring pretty much every horsewoman (laughs) yes and uh Nia is not has not gotten better or um more agile as the years have gone on and now she has you know, five or seven years or whatever of 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 physical wear and tear on top of that to go with her already uh, limited skill set. So I can understand being frustrated with her. But at the same time, you're supposed to be professionals. <laughs> yeah, like sometimes maybe you need to remember, oh, there's, you know, 10,000 people looking at me right now. <laughs> like, yeah, two million people are watching this on television right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And unlike maybe the crowd who maybe just aren't even aware of exactly what's happening there's yeah there's cameras getting close-ups of us as we're yelling at each other and <laughs> yes and uh yeah there's it was it was it was like you said probably the most interesting thing on the show not only for this week but in several weeks if not years so it gave us something to talk about but yeah it's that was uh that was really really interesting to watch and the only thing the only thing further I'll say about Naya is that the further we get into her career, the more I think that Bailey is like one of the three best wrestlers that, <laughs> probably to ever come out of NXT at the very least, maybe in company history. Because when Naya was very green, uh, she had like a four star match with her on an NXT show in London live on pay-per-view or on the network. Yeah. And Naya has only progressively has not improved since that night and has never had a match that equaled that so uh yeah I think I think if anything it 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 makes you appreciate the people who can get a it's you know it's I don't want to necessarily compare uh, Naya to Tom McGee but (laughs) it's a little bit of that thing where it's like wow that person they were in there with really knew what they were doing and really laid out like a perfect blueprint for a match of a person with that skill set and nobody else ever figured it out again. <laughs> yep. Bailey is a tremendous professional wrestler. Just tremendous. Okay. Uh, New Japan has two shows this weekend. We'll just touch on those very quickly. 
the most interesting things are uh, Tanahashi defending the U.S. title that he just won against Ibushi, who's coming back after missing like two months after having COVID. That's the main event of the first show on Saturday morning. I guess we'll see. It seems like they love beating Tanahashi. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, it's one of those things where you just don't know anymore. Like years ago, you'd be like, well, it's Tanahashi and he just won. So he's probably not going to lose anytime soon. But yeah, Ibushi could win the belt here. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm sure it'll be a really good match. But yeah, it's, it's just, you know, he, you are continually dumbfounded by who, who and when they, they choose to beat uh, Tanahashi. Yes. And then you have Okada and Jeff Cobb also on night one. And Okada won the last match, but he won it with like a cradle. He didn't hit his finish and pin the guy. And Cobb has won every tag match that they've had on this tour. So I still think Okada's winning, but um, Jeff Cobb has been really great this year. Yeah, I feel like this has been like a coming out party for him. We've certainly talked in the past on the show and off the show <laughs> yes. about how how is a guy that can do all of the things Jeff Cobb can do not a bigger star. And it's generally because he bores us to tears personally. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I feel like he really tapped into something and it helps to work with probably the greatest professional wrestler of the last, you know, of the last decade at least. Yeah, uh, that probably doesn't hurt either. But yeah, he's he's in a year that has not had a lot of highlights for New Japan. He has been he's certainly been one of them. He thing to me is that they keep all his tag matches right around ten minutes, and when he's had singles matches, like even the Okada one went like eighteen minutes or something. But mm-hmm. most of his singles matches are under fifteen minutes. It's like. The guy, they just have figured out, okay, we, we need him in smaller doses and he can do more impressive things in smaller doses and be more over. So that's worked. Yeah, what a novel concept. Yeah, they finally figured it out. But yeah, I actually look forward to his matches now. I have said before that <laughs> I don't know how a 300-pound guy who can do a standing moonsault could be the most boring wrestler in the world. And I thought he was for quite some time, but I actually look forward to his matches now. So that's really what I'm most concerned about is these wrestlers performing for my entertainment. <laughs> that's, that's really all that matters. Sure. Then night two, Shingo coming back after having COVID and defending the cursed IWGP world heavyweight <laughs> championship against evil and then you have a three-way for the tag titles that night with uh, Dangerous Techers defending against Naito and Sonata and Goto and Yoshihashi. You have Hiromu Takahashi coming back and facing Robbie Eagles for the junior title. You have the junior tag titles. The two teams, they're really two teams in the division now. <laughs> and they've just traded titles for the last year. So it's the Suzuki Gun guys, Desperado and Kanemaru against uh, Ishimori and El Fantasmo. And uh, I forget which night show Nyo's on. I'm, I'm not sure if that's night one or night two. I think it's night one, actually. Yeah, I think you're right. But anyway, so that's that's those shows. They should be good shows. There's only five matches on each show. Um, and yet somehow they'll still manage to make them four-hour shows. So. <laughs> we got to have that intermission in the middle, you know. And yes. Dangerous Techers match is going to go 48 minutes. So 
Yeah. Oh man, that tag match is gonna be like, <laughs> oh. it's gonna be hours. And like, it's never, it's never gonna be actively bad at any point, but it's also never really gonna be very good. I genuinely really liked the last one that was just Dangerous Hackers versus Naito and uh, Sonata. Oh, like that four, went forever. It was forty minutes. Yeah, yeah. But I honestly thought like it was just so. I think it also helps again because I don't watch the shows in between. <laughs> <laughs> so like watching you know watching this new japan was like an event and i was like well this is this went a lot longer than i expected to go but i thought the work was all really good i thought like zach saber jr as like the baby face in peril was surprisingly great like like it was a kind of a weird match from like a u.s psychology standpoint but it went really long time that being said my thought at the end was that was really great not necessarily it was great because it went 45 minutes Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Not sure I co-signed, but it makes sense. <laughs> all right. Uh, all out coming up this weekend. It is a really stacked card. Just have to casually drop in here that I was on the media call with Tony Khan earlier today where I've never felt like a bigger mark in my entire <laughs> life. Like somehow when I'm like standing in line in a shopping mall in New Jersey to meet Sasha Banks, I felt like less of a mark. <laughs> Than I, than I felt like on this media call. Uh, and I didn't think any of the uh, reporters on the call were unprofessional or anything. It just feels like a very marky kind of thing to me. I don't I can't really explain it other than I guess he gave some real answers. He gave more real answers than I expected. But also, these are you're not going to get like, you know, scoops come on right. these on these things. <laughs> So I don't know that uh, I don't know that uh, I enjoyed that. But anyway, uh, still ducking me, by the way. All right. <laughs> um, so all that is a legitimately stacked card. Uh, Omega and Christian for the world title. Britt Baker and Chris Atlander for the women's title. CM Punk returning after not having a match in seven and a half years is a very big deal against Darby Allen. And then it's just up and down the card the young bucks against the lich brothers in a cage jericho versus mjf with jericho's career on the line fingers crossed <laughs> uh and of course the big uh paul white qt marshall battle mm. i mean it's just five-star classic after five-star classic on this show yeah i mean like it's gonna be good like um, we have i guess the what the battle royal was moved to the main show is that right Yes, and they've announced 20 people, and I'm assuming the 21st is obviously Ruby Soho, but let's hope so. Let's yeah. get one win out of this women's division. <laughs> yes. Would be nice. And uh yeah, I'm I'm a like I kind of made light of the uh Paul White QT Marshall thing because who could possibly care? And how could you possibly not make light of that? But I, I do think the rest of the card is stacked. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that, and this is, I think, kind of a fun exercise to do sometimes. You're like, what would I have the opener be on this show? Like, maybe Moxley and Kojima? Maybe. Mm, maybe. Maybe Jericho and MJF, if Jericho's winning. Yeah. Like, I don't, yeah, it's like, I was like, like, man, they got, like, it's a good problem to have, but it's one of those things where I don't feel like AEW has a clear way that they structure their cards the way WWE does yet. So it's, I think it's a little bit more fun to think like, what would I put on first? Like, obviously it's going to be a great crowd. It's everyone's there for punk. So 
I guess that's the other debate is do you put do you put punk on last if if you're uh, you're in charge? Uh I do, yes. Yeah. Like I think Christian, nothing yeah. nothing's nothing's going to follow it in terms of Correct. crowd reaction. Correct. That's and that's the main thing. It's 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 the Hogan and Rock thing. It's yes. It's, don't put your world champion in a position where they have to try to follow that when they just can't like they could do, they could have, you know, the best match you've ever seen. And it's probably going to pale in comparison to just the noise being made when punk is in the ring in wrestling gear yes. ready to, and the bell rings, you know, like, yeah, you're just not going to match that because of what that guy means to wrestling fans as a whole especially right. these hardcore wrestling fans that, you know, travel to the show and everything. So yeah, I, I think also and no offense to Christian, but like, we, we know what's going to happen. Like, <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't really see a reason why you wouldn't have, have punk go on last uh, other than like that weird old school mentality. All oh, the world titles going to go on last, but world title didn't go on last at their last show. Uh, the, the, cinematic match did so like yeah like just it's fine <laughs> the thing that i remember about AEW pay-per-views is that they are always excruciatingly long <laughs> and so i do worry about you know if you put darby allen to punk out there at 11 30 on a sunday night <laughs> uh is the crowd going to be tired but if there's ever a, a time where they're not going to be it's this crowd on labor day weekend so they're they got that going for it. So for I think sure. I, th- I think there will be a lull somewhere in here of about two hours where you're like, oh my goodness, will this show be over? <laughs> but they'll stack the beginning and the end of the card enough that uh, it's going to be a very good show. Yeah, and as someone who was live at All Out a couple of years ago and watched Chris Jericho and Hangman Page try to follow the young bucks and the lucha bros in a ladder match <laughs> just maybe just maybe put maybe put the best match on last you know or the biggest match on last well i mean that's going to be the best match i mean i would think yeah that's fair from an actual in-ring standpoint uh that's really going to be something but uh, i i think i'd actually put that on first okay yeah i i can see that too i guess so the point of the end of dynamite this week <laughs> was that no one could get in the cage mostly because Brandon Cutler will apparently be there to spray them with cold spray. <laughs> um, I did not care for that ending segment. It just went forever. Um, but there, I think the point they were trying to get across is nobody's going to be able to get into this cage, which is good. <laughs> and the point of a cage match. Yes. Theoretically. Yes. So, my thought is how do you do that with that stipulation after the bucks have won every match with interference for the last, I don't know, six plus months, whenever they turned and then not change the titles here. I think that you have to change the titles here. I think you do too, just because of the stipulation. Like if you want the bucks to win them back on Wednesday, fine. But I, but I think, for that stipulation if you're that that you need to change the titles here and i know people are like well lucha bros really aren't don't feel like that hot of a team and feels like oh maybe they should save it for proud and powerful in in the new york show it's like yeah but again for months and months and months the whole deal is that 
they every every single match they have there's interference and the baby faces fight valiantly but then they succumb to the interference and lose so when you do the match where you say now there will be no interference i think the baby faces have to win yeah i got no problem with that and i agree wholeheartedly uh the two questions well i guess three we've already touched on who's the uh the mystery participant in the women's match it's gotta be ruby soho and then does daniel bryan show up does adam cole show up does one of them show up here does one of them show up in new york does one of them show up here does one of them show up in, on dynamite on wednesday uh i would assume daniel bryan and adam cole are coming in and coming in sooner than later yeah i i think if if i were them i mean that's you maybe after omega wins you debut one of them to be his next challenger. I mean, they don't generally do that where they just bring a guy in and he's immediately challenging for the title. So, but you could still have him face down. I mean, they had Christian face down with Omega on like his first show in, and then they obviously are just now doing that match. So yeah, like you can at least do that initial face off and, and get the buzz going. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess maybe because it's been in my head and that was the the prediction the uh you know not a not quite a spoiler but a strong prediction made by a lot of folks that brian was going to be debuting on that on that arthur ash stadium show but yeah maybe if i mean if you want to like what who's going to get a bigger reaction adam cole or brian danielson i think it's brian danielson not that i don't think adam cole would get a great reaction but um again and and for his own sake it might be better for him if he's not sandwiched between the CM Punk debut and the Brian Danielson debut. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to discuss? No, I, th- I think that about that about covers the uh, the the big notes of the death of NXT and uh, New Japan's refusal to die and <laughs> and what should be. A very fun AEW show that is also assuredly at least 90 minutes too long. That's right. All right. So until next time, everybody, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Adios. For listening, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Now, here are this week's bonus features. <laughs> I really thought my tweet about how Paul Levesque should be called <laughs> the Elite Hunter when he goes to AEW would would have popped off more than it did yeah they really should have done numbers my best tweets never do (laughs) did you have thoughts on the jeopardy guy (laughs) i could do an hour on the jeopardy guy i mean it's a win for uh i don't know um not for uh people who just aren't shameless um I, I don't know what to say other than he, here's a guy. He's always <laughs> been a guy, and he'll always be a guy. That's Mike Richards. <laughs> he was just like so smarmy and disingenuous, and his sign off was like, "We all just need to be a little more kind to each other." 
like Alex said, and if we do that, like Alex Trebek's the only person that ever said that people should be kind to each other. But <laughs> but if that, well, if we all do what Alex said, well, the world will be a, a better place. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> the guy was just, he was so jive. And so, you know, he deserves every bit of what's coming to him. So that's good. Yeah, it's, it's such a it's such a great like own goal, you know, like it's such a <laughs> nobody yes. knew who this guy. Nobody knew this guy's name. All he had to do was resist the urge, the siren song of uh, booking yourself to win the belt. And <laughs> and he'd still be in his job and no one would uh, no one would know who he is. And none of his public dirty laundry would have been aired. But, uh, yep. you know, just had to could not resist the how. Oh should be the host <laughs> like there's right. there's also it's the power of living a life where no one ever is honest about you like to your face sure yeah like, oh yeah. yeah no one yeah he thought like well gosh everybody seems to really like me and everyone <laughs> told me i did such a great job hosting i guess i guess i should just be the host yes and here we are <laughs> yes did you see his audition from the price is right no okay he he hosted a episode of the price is right that never aired uh when they were auditioning for a host after bob barker before they uh settled on drew carey and uh when he worked at the price is right this mike richards fellow uh yeah so anyway someone someone who was not a fan of his leaked his price is right audition awesome <laughs> I mean, it was pretty unremarkable. Just, mm -hmm. just somebody doing like a bad impression of a game show host. <laughs> but yes, yeah. there are there are reasons some people are in front of the cameras and some people never are. Yeah, he has a very square jaw. That fellow, yeah. like Batman the Animated Series, Bruce Wayne square jaw. <laughs> You know, if you're just if you're rich enough and you're successful enough and you have a square enough jaw, you can convince yourself that you should be on television. Yeah. Yeah. He's a guy. He's always been a guy. He'll always be a guy. <laughs> the other thing I was thinking that about somebody else the other day. I couldn't remember. I can't remember who it was. Somebody maybe in Bruce, wrestling? Or... Yeah. Maybe Bruce Pritchard. I don't know. <laughs> There's a guy. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely a guy. It's always been a guy who will always be a guy. That's right. Um, oh, the in addition to like all the weird and sexist comments about women's bodies and uh, sexual habits that he made on his podcast that no one listened to <laughs> that eventually got him fired seven years later. The thing that I liked about the story was that he took out a PPP loan oh, one of those guys. for for some LLC that he set up like that has zero employees except him mm. <laughs> it's like and you know I guess the thing with those PPP loans are that people generally took them out with the assumption that they're going to be forgiven and the government's never going to come collect yes so he was trying to get himself some free money on top of <laughs> somehow weaseling his way into being the executive producer of Jeopardy. <laughs> he was also trying to get paid for free on top of that from the government. So that's cool. Yeah, it's a bad bloke. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, a real weasel. Yeah, he's like, you know what? Sometimes cancel culture is good. <laughs> yes. Did you see that Bill Maher was very upset? Oh, that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy was fired from Jeopardy because he said boobies on a podcast seven years ago. It's like that's that's not why he got fired. <laughs> Uh, like if that was the case like i don't know also like the version of what people like bill maher talk about with cancel culture is like the guy's still very rich like <laughs> and will probably quietly get a job somewhere else on some television network somewhere like right some television program somewhere like he'll be fine yes. you know in the same way that like louis ck is doing stand-up in public again like yes Yes. Like none of these people, they lost lucrative television deals because the private companies they were working with didn't want bad press. That is that is the extent of their cancellation. Yes. <sighs> Brian Williams can't read the news on NBC anymore. He has to read it on MSNBC. He reads it on NBC Junior now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's getting a little bit sassy about it. <laughs> Ugh. Well, as Norm Macdonald reminds us, the time he was a guest on Politically Incorrect, it's like the the opinions of Bill Maher, a comedian, me, a comedian, and so-and-so professor, an expert on foreign policy, are all given equal weight on Bill Maher's shows. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, all of Bill Maher's opinions can pretty much boil down to, why do we need all these kids running around? What about whores? <laughs> What about him? <laughs> I try to keep on keeping on.